Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of Blue Shirt Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Thank you so much for listening Every single week, you can go to patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway today to support this silly show as we head into the playoffs. The playoffs! Today we have Shayna Goldman on. We talk about the three last remaining useless games and some other uh, fun, fun Ranger topics. Before we get to that, here is our Lord and Savior, Mark Messier. Oh, Kappa Kappa's probably back too, so there you go. Here we go. Transition. Oh, that's later in the show. Never mind. Here we go. Let's just start whatever. Start the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Bush Breakaway fans, welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of Patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway. You can support this podcast today. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Busy week. Busy week. Busy week. So, uh, Twitter's dead. You know, that's over now. I mean, oh, man. Yeah, rest, we had a good run. Rest in peace, bear, man. <laughs> I love this whole, I love this whole Elon Musk playing Twitter thing. It's hilarious to me. Um, and then uh, the Rangers, you know, hey, listen, these games don't matter. Pretty cool. Jacob DeGrom, press conference today. What's the most pressing issue, issue here? Which one? DeGrom didn't have a presser. We're waiting to find out the MRI results. It's not a good sign that Buck Showalter's like, yeah, I'm not talking about it. Don't like that. That that usually does not end well for Greg Kaplan. No. No. Um, Looks bad, actually. No, no, but look, the Mets got 12 wins. Things are good. Things are good. Uh, Messier looks like he's lining up for a good Kentucky Derby run in two weeks. That's good for the brand in a lot of ways. Um, No Ranger got hurt. In the last couple of days, That's I can't, like, at this point, I can't even remember this the last time. This whole freaking podcast could be just me and you being like, hey, you know what the Rangers shouldn't do? Not get hurt. They shouldn't get hurt. Hey, I think not getting hurt is optimal. 
Because you're so watching here's, every other team get hurt right now. Every other well, team. Well, yeah, especially the goalies. I, like, honestly, at this point, just put Igor in bubble wrap. Just let him play. I'm almost willing to do the the spring training slash training camp where give Igor a period. Ooh, then, I love know. the give or Igor a period against the Carolina Hurricanes and just pull him. <laughs> like, ha-ha, yeah. who cares? So here's, so here's the thing. I it, I don't think the Rangers are actually going to do it because it's just not really how hockey works. But Hartford season's over. They did not qualify for the playoffs. Roster size is unlimited as long as you can afford the players, which even with the moves the Rangers made at the trade deadline, they still have oodles amount of cap space. I'm not against them just calling up. Call up. So did you know Lundquist had a concussion? Henrik? No, no. Uh, Niels. Yeah, it's like no. The one that currently plays. He was on MSG. He's totally fine. Uh, No, I didn't know that Niels had a concussion. I was on. So Niels, Niels is out done for the year, but that's fine. Bring up Jones. Bring up. uh, I I'd say bring up. I don't even know the forwards are so wonky. Dude, Hayek's here. I don't care. Play him. There's 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 no way. These games. But I'm saying like even bring up Keith, our friend, our good friend. Literally just. Play the hits for these final three games. The Rangers essentially need to win out to catch the Hurricanes, and they need the Hurricanes to lose out. It's I understand they need part to win out, and, and then they, their last game of the season here. Then I think this is super important. The last game of the season is versus the Capitals, who are probably going to play because they're they're going to want to beat out the Pittsburgh Penguins for that last spot for the third spot to play the Rangers. So the Rangers, the Rangers might have a control your own destiny. Like who do you want to play in the first round kind of position where it's like, hey, if you beat the Capitals, you play the Penguins. And if you don't beat the Capitals, uh, you, you play the, the Capitals. Game, you, know what, you know what games at this time of year really scare me? It's the game where it matters to one team and not the other team. Oh, like the, it matters a lot to the Capitals. And that's how you get I know. Th- that, that's what I'm saying. That game, it doesn't terrify me from a will the Rangers win the game standpoint. Don't care about that. It's just the two teams are going to go into that game specifically with very different motivations. And when you add that in to Tom Wilson being Tom fucking Wilson. I'm not about it. it Get Lieber out it, there. He's cute for it, a reason. I honestly, against the Caps, I don't like it, but it's tricky, right? You have to kind of thread the needle because you don't want to, you don't want to make it seem like you're giving up to the Caps. So then they go into the series with this humongous chip on their shoulder. Like, that oh, nobody believes in us. us theory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you wanted us? Now you're going to fucking get us. Like, you don't want to give them that motivation at the same time like it's irresponsible to play Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, Truba in Adam that Fox. game right send Adam Fox to Cancun for five days before these playoffs like... maybe not Cancun maybe not Cancun what happened, what happened somewhere so, somewhere uh, just somewhere <laughs> a little bit more controlled okay where we can we can handle some things here. I, is, would you be feeling better if I said South Florida I don't think so <laughs> no I feel worse <laughs> Me too. that wasn't a knock on Cancun I'm like <laughs> How, how's Cape Cod this kind of time of year? Yeah, Cape Cod's, it's, the Cape? A little, it's a little chilly. I don't it out. care. Who cares? Who cares? It, it, he, it, him and his boy McAvoy need to make up, kiss, and be happy anyway. So they're all right. They'll, they'll, the boys are all right. Yeah, they they all need time off, and it's the, the Rangers schedule this week. For anybody wondering, in case you didn't know already, Hurricanes. Um, if if the Rangers beat the Hurricanes, they'll have a chance to tie for first. A chance they'd have to really win out. The Rangers, uh, Rangers have a game in hand, but they are four points behind, so two points technically if they do win. And then uh. The Canadians and then the Capitals. The Canadians game is kind of like, who cares? The Canadians want Shane Wright. They're not going to be playing that game. That game might as well just be like 
speed skating. Like, who really cares? Is that is that going to be the worst game of the year for the Rangers? I think so. Probably. Nothing's going to happen. Well, the least consequential, it, at least, for right? Sure, by a lot. Like, I don't. Uh, the Rangers could have let up ten goals in that game. I'd be like, yay! <laughs> who cares? I don't it's, care at all. It's it's so tough this time of year. It's difficult because we haven't had to talk about this in five forever. years. Five. Yeah. I, it's the a last long time. time you were, the last time you and I had serious conversations about what this team should do, could do, leading up to the playoffs, I had two working hamstrings, and everything seemed great. Yeah, it it's we been that, that long. Jobs. A lot going on. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah, right. There was a whole billboard thing. Yeah, there I was. Fired for. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. So I do want to. I want to talk about one note from practice today. Not that I, I. I said this on Twitter. This isn't the note I want to talk about. I just want to make make the point clear. If Andrew Cobb can't play one more game and Dryden Hunt plays in the top six over Lafreniere, over Kako, over everybody, I'm here to say that's wonderful because. We're not trying to figure out how those guys fit in the top six in the playoffs, right? Top six is settled. We know the six guys playing in it. As long as they're healthy, they're fine. Yep. So put Dryden Hunt in there as a placeholder. I don't care. I like what is it's actually detrimental to play Lafreniere in a position where we know he's just not going to play in the playoffs. Yeah. It, I, it's I'd not actually rather play him uh, with like Kako and Heedle and just run him as the first line. That's it. Or, hey. or I, I'll listen. It's going to sound blasphemous to say it. I'm, I'm going to think back on this in six months when the season's over, and I'm not going to like the fact that I even had this thought for a second. Mm-hmm. It might be worth trying to see if you can find use for Lafreniere playing on the fourth line. If you admit, we just have to accept that Gallant enjoys Goodrow, Hito, Kako. He loves that line. That line, if healthy, is going to be a line he wants to run out there. So if we accept that fact, then what we have to do, what Gallant has to do, is find a way to keep Lafreniere impactful while playing limited limited minutes. And if he has, if we have to find a way to do that in the next three games, where Lafreniere is playing what eight minutes a night, five on five, we have to use these three games to figure out if if we can find some kind of thread here where Lafreniere is not getting the high leverage situations we want him in long term. But again, we you long term goes out the window when you're going into the playoffs. Yeah, this, the, usually we're a very future based podcast where we talk about yes. the long term repercussions of everything that happens. And that's I don't, gone now. I don't care about twenty twenty three. I don't care about twenty twenty four. I don't care about twenty twenty five. Those years do not exist to me. Right now you focus on the fact that you're here and you have a one in sixteen roll of the dice Right now, yeah. According to this, Money Puck, they have the worst odds. <laughs> it's like fucking ridiculous. I which is, yeah, it's it, very strange. It's it. I mean, I, it's point, just not point, true. I like know, I, I understand. Seven. It's like uh, I get what you're doing here. Like I get it. Like they're in the East. There's a lot of good teams. The yeah, Met, but the five the thing five is, doesn't the, favor them. But whatever. I know, but the the Rangers are going to be favored in their first round matchup, right? If they are the number I two seed, so. they will be favored against either the Penguins or the Capitals. So to, statistically speaking. You're telling me that the favored team is least likely in one. It makes them more likely to win the cup because they're just statistically better than those two teams. So I just, the math to me doesn't work. And this is why I'm part-time chart boy, part-time 
eye test. It, it like doesn't compute. You got to be a hybrid these days. It's uh, it's the best way to live. Live both ways. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 tough. Also, it's just so ridiculous. I was looking at a Michael McCurdy. Speaking of graphs, I was looking at one of his charts earlier today. The last time one of the eight playoff teams in the East currently qualified and clinched all eight of them. The last time any of them, any one of them, had a less than 50% chance of making the playoffs. Can you guess the date? I think I saw it, so I'm going to spoil it a little bit. Was it November 11th? 19th. Oh, man. That November is... 19th, pre-Thanksgiving. That is ridiculous. Like, uh, the Raiders have been playoff-bound since the fucking season started. The the East, the the eight, we knew the eight teams that were going to qualify for the playoffs in the East on Thanksgiving. That is so we knew. stupid. So and every, every, everything since then has been jockeying for a position. This whole which, season's been bonkers. Yeah, it, it, and it's – can I ask a question? Yeah, um, I asked this on Twitter last night, and it, it's not quite Ranger-related, but it's, it's playoff-related. And I'm sure we'll ask Shane of this later too. Uh, I don't quite understand the Vegas hate. Do you understand the Vegas hate? So I don't really get the hate. I think people like – all right, this is my this is my kind of my game theory on this. Mm-hmm. It's like Jack Eichel got traded, right? And uh, the hate kind of stems from Buffalo, like, ha ha, Jack Eichel, you wanted your way out, and now you're gonna miss the playoffs with another team. But I think people just get jealous of instant success. The Vegas Golden Knights were extremely good for a long time. I think they're going to be very good again next year. It's like I don't think this this whole run with them is over. I mean, they have Eichel and Mark Stone. Things are okay. Their goaltender, by the way, just had season ending surgery after they made him wait three days. Uh, Vegas, bad look for you, my friends. But I think people like to shit on like the instant failure. Like you guys think you're holier than now. You think you're smarter. It's probably a mix of Eichel, the social media, the instant success, and the fact that they play in Vegas. Uh, that that kind of breeds that hate. But I don't really get it either. I think they're like kind of fun team. They're competitive and like they have a great atmosphere. It's something I want in the playoffs. And they have a lot of great talent, uh, and they're going to miss it. So that sucks. I know. I just I was flabbergasted that ninety seven percent of hockey Twitter was rooting for the Sharks last night. I understand People the social like media accounts. It's like it's I, like it's like an NCAA. Like, hey, who who doesn't want to see a fifteen beat a two? You know, everybody does. I don't know. I think it's different. I th- I think it's significantly different. Just because I don't know something something about it felt different. Like. We get our jokes off. We get our laughs off when St. Peter's beats Kentucky. I'm not saying that isn't thrilling. Uh, but going into that game, it's not like 97% of the country was actively rooting against Kentucky. We, you At some point in college basketball, you rally the troops, you circle the wagons, and you start rooting for these Cinderella's. But with going into the game, it's like people fucking hated the Vegas. I understand it from a social media standpoint. That account is so obnoxious. That I, it's they just try like, to be the Canes, but they're not the Canes. Like the Canes are the like the best social media account in all sports, in my opinion. I appreciate. I it's one of those things where I at least appreciate Vegas social media for existing, because I'd rather hate you for being awful going that direction than what some teams do by being so vanilla. The Islanders and, and the uncontrollable. Yeah, and the Rangers have picked it up. Props to Jess. Jess Jess has done great. They have. They, they've, had, they've had fun content this year. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, you and I, 
you and I understand how hard it is to do a lot of things within the MSG family. Of and they, they've done a real good job of at least being more accessible, more fun, and like putting out like more fun quotes this year than they ever had. Yes. Do I want more from them? Absolutely. But you also, it's like grading on a curve. You have to understand there's only so much you can get. And I think we've gotten more than I would have. Whereas expected. the Islanders, I have no excuse for them. So. I don't know what they're doing. They, I think they had a dog, right? They had they, a dog. Yeah, well, we had a dog first, and everyone else was like, we should get a puppy. It's a great idea. So The Mets have a dog. Hey, see? What's it called? Yeah. Uh, Shay. Yeah, that makes fucking sense. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I, I was just – I was very stunned that it seemed like 97% of all hockey Twitter was like, fuck, the, fuck Vegas. I was like, I, I – I, Here's my thing. Who's the most hated team in the East? I actually don't even know. I'm looking now. Is it? It's. I don't actually think it's Tampa Bay. As weird as weird as that is, I think it's, it's tough. It's not the I, Leafs I, either, right? Because it's like, haha, the Leafs. So it's like the. I Penguins? don't. But it's like, almost like, do you consider the Leafs an Eastern team? Like Toronto is on an island. Yeah, no, it's a whole different media market. What a weekend the Toronto beat had, by the way. I Holy a lot moly! Of it, so fill me in. Just uh, well, you saw the Steve Simmons tweet. Oh my God! Woo! <laughs> Has anybody ever scored on a shot attempt, my man? <laughs> I know. It's funny because he's essentially. I think what he was trying to do is being like, Sarcasm. "Has anybody actually like?" He was trying to take a, a shot at like expected goals. He right? was, yeah. And it's just oh, but the mm, that's mm. exactly it. The way he worded it, what that stat shows. You hit the nail on the head, Steve. You're trying to dunk on it, but that's the fucking point. That's the point you proved. <laughs> you did it, buddy. You did it. You figured it out. Yeah, the, the some of the guys up there in Toronto blow my mind. They really do. Yeah. It's like, what but are we the doing thi- So the thing with Toronto, you, you can't really hate. I think you, you hate the media coverage of Toronto, but we're talking about a team that can't win in the first round of the playoffs. So at some point, it's a joke. Yeah, and like, and it's weird I hate the hate Penguins, them. but you, dude, you, like, there's some respect there. There is like the Penguins have been around right. forever. It's like same same with the Bruins. Like you hate Marshan, but yeah. you, there's a lot I you get like. It, him. You know, like I if yeah. I if same, my same team, with the Capitals. Like, I love this dude. Yeah, and Ovi forever. I know the whole Russia thing right now, obviously. But Ovi like is a very beloved figure in the NHL for a lot of reasons. Yes. I I don't think there's a clear villain in the East, but I think you can pick. Well, except Philadelphia, but we're all loving what the fuck's happening in Philadelphia. Oh, we're Sorry. cool with that. Yeah, we're cool. Uh, it, you can pick a villain on every team in the Eastern Conference, but I don't think it's a clear hatred. Like, no one in the East – if some if that situation was happening in the East, I don't think NHL Twitter would have piled on like they did with Vegas last night. Yeah, and maybe it's just because, like, I, I'm, I might be being mean to NHL fans. Like, I just think mm. the Western Conference doesn't get a lot of coverage in, in all sports, really. But uh, especially, well, not in the NBA, especially not in the NBA, but in, in the mm. NHL, um, I mean, who, who really sure? gets like a lot every, of coverage? Every story in the NBA this year was about the Lakers. Yeah, that's why every I said not story. the NBA. Yeah. Not the NBA, okay. Not the NBA. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to push back on Because no that. one cares about the Kings. <clears throat> Nobody cares at all. No, but how many stories out of Vancouver did you get this year? More than you wanted. I, again, that's Canada. I don't know. So it's like. It's, it's still like. I, that, this is the problem with hockey media where like I know what's going on in the Western Conference because nobody shuts up on yeah listen I listen to 32 thoughts I enjoy 32 thoughts it keeps me very informed but every podcast starts with Vancouver Calgary Edmonton in some way shape or form it's one of those three right. or and then they transition to by the way the Maple Leafs aren't interested in everybody blah 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 but so like I feel like I know what's going on in the West 
because it's told through the lens of Western Canadian I guess how I should have Canadian said this is non-Canadian teams in the West don't get good coverage, period. The Ducks got a lot this year, Ryan. Uh, I guess Trevor Zegers has changed that game, doesn't it? Interesting. And we talk okay. how often are we talking about Arizona for all the wrong reasons, but we're still talking about Arizona. Well, I guess the Blackhawks did get some this year as well. Again, yeah. all the yeah. wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think I honestly think we didn't talk about the East at all this year. We do, right? Because we do this podcast, we're obsessed with it. We we study the standings in the East all the time. But if you go to national media, it is I, this is a big Adam etc point that uh, he has a lot that we obviously fluff up on this show yeah but one that i love a is lot <laughs> a perfect example 17 games into the major league baseball season you can't do anything within the baseball universe without hearing a met story in the top three it or the yankees for that matter it's the that, Mets and the it's yankees, that those two and otani yeah yes you 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 can't skip a beat with those teams now i'm not saying that's the way it should be but it's it's the way baseball operates the fact that you don't hear conversations not just about the rangers i don't hear conversations about the hurricanes i don't hear many conversations about the penguins you don't you hear some about florida because it's like wow florida scoring all these goals wow florida's not losing but like and they fired their coach and Tam- they've been a mo- they've been a monstrous team all year yeah for tampa sure. bay tampa bay is a two-time defending stanley cup champion and they're kind of just like an afterthought i it to me it feels weird that national hockey media doesn't talk about the eastern conference more and it's it is in this instance specific about the rangers because it it's so odd to me that your biggest north american market your biggest united states market it's an afterthought on the national hockey landscape that's wild the rangers did get undercovered this year they got hella covered last year when they fired everybody or Tammy panarin had a russian hit piece against him and a bunch of other things happened it's a guy named tony d'angelo the nick the knicks horrific season but i know everything i don't watch basketball on a nightly basis and i know everything going on with the knicks because it's covered ad nauseum they literally had this executives at donovan mitchell's playoff game (laughs) unbelievable hey hey hey. we're bringing him home ryan yeah right The, the mets are finally good that man is a giant Met fan. He needs to be in New York. Yeah, I get it. He's going to be there. He'll be the best Nick ever. <laughs> it's like, well, come not on. ever, but ever? In, the, in the last 30 years. Sorry, Melo. We'll figure it out. Oh, Bernard King slander. Patrick Ewing slander. I'm sorry. Was, I, I forget how young I am at, at 32 years old. I guess Patrick Ewing is, is – is Patrick Ewing the best Nick of all time, even though he didn't win? No. I don't know. I, King? I, this, is, this is one of those – well, my dad. I don't know about yours, <laughs> but uh, there's a Walt Frazier. We just like got it. it. Does the NBA the, does the NBA get to this point anyway because of Jordan and all that? Probably, but like, does MJ happen if Walt Frazier wasn't doing things that Walt Frazier was doing back? I guess in the day? you make you make a good point, but I'll, I'll put it this way, right? And it's make it simple for you. Donovan Mitchell is easily a top ten Nick of all time. The moment he puts on the jersey, it's like unbelievable. Uh, there were a lot of good Knicks on those old teams, man. All right, we'll see. Like half that roster is in the Hall of Fame. I'm 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 a Nick hater. It's, it's, it's like it's, I just wish the Knicks I, were good, man. You, you I've might, been waiting for here's so the thing: long. you might you might be right. If you were to do it from the year like 2008 onwards, it's him and Mello, and that's it. That's it. That's it. It's like J.R. Smith. It's like <laughs> it's the three weeks of Jeremy Lin. That that's about the he would be the third guy. That's so sad. That's so sad. 
<laughs> a- anyway, the New York Rangers. Uh, I-, I agree with you. I think they were undercovered this year. Even, like, with the- when Shesterkin had, like, his one or two weeks of, like, is he a hard candidate? And he still I've kind co- of I've is. Come back, I've come back around on Igor actually being more deserving. Because, I don't know, I, I've read or been seeing a lot of articles recently. I'm sure you've seen them, too. About how this is one of the like highest scoring NHL. I, this was another time. again not to bow down to the altar of Adam, etc. But this is what we will do. This is another one of his points. It was like, yeah, I, it, it's if it, if we if we're ready to admit that this is one of the highest scoring seasons ever, and it's not to take away from the fact that Austin Matthews might have sixty plus goals this season. That's great in its own right, but scoring is up across the board. So then, if scoring's up across the board, don't you have to look at the guy? who is suppressing goal scoring the best arguably ever as being the league MVP. I think you do like, there's no way he's going to win. If Matthews played somewhere else, maybe, but Matthews will win now at this point. I I just think he has all the momentum on his side and Igor, if he's been great, he's been, has had some shutouts, but there hasn't been like this big narrative push for him. Does he finish in the top three? I actually don't even think he – do you think Igor finishes in the top three now? I think he finishes right outside of four. I mean, it's like – Well, I think Matthews, Huberdeau, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think you can see Igor slot at three, and then maybe – but maybe he gets shunned a little bit and gets pushed to four here. Uh, but, but this also this also just goes back to my point about how it's, it's wild that the Rangers aren't talked about more publicly because – this isn't a knock on him. It's just Jacob DeGrom does stuff like this. And we talk about it. We know about it. We rave about it. Even when the Mets are awful, Garrett Cole, when he's on, we talk about it. We know about it. And it's Igor Shostarkin is doing one of those. He's that guy. He's having a DeGromian type season and hockey media is like, eh, guy in Toronto's got 60 goals. I know it's really sad, (laughs) but Igor can change. Does Igor care about any of that? I'm not so sure. He cares no, about I, just he, crushing in the playoffs. That's it. Yes. Uh, Igor's greatness is born from a desire of not wanting to lose. He hates losing. He doesn't, the, the kid yeah. doesn't lose. He really yeah, doesn't I, do it often. The only, the only award he wants is the Stanley Cup, which I love and which makes him just My a fan favorite for sure. My precious. So I don't think he gives two shits about whether he's – honestly, if he doesn't win the Vesna, I don't think he's going to give a flying fuck. But actually, I think he's locked for the best. I don't think it's even well. Close. Yeah, no shit, Ryan. We're talking about a guy. We we we're saying he's probably finishing top three in the MVP, and you want me to <laughs> Listen, say there's a goalie better than him wanna, this year? I just want to point this out, so when he doesn't get it, we can go back to the tape on this and be like, "Well, we did say he was a lock, so that's our that's our bad." There you go. It's it's our bad that idiots vote for well, GMs vote for the Vesna, right? I actually don't even know. I should know. I think I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure they do because the knock is the GMs usually just vote for the guy that has the most wins and they that this is essentially how Henrik Lundqvist didn't win. I wish we it's had stupid. like a good like process for voting not only in the NHL but in all sports. Just it's I hate I hate the Hall of Fame vote. I don't know. It's all I'm all jaded these days on voting in sports. It makes me really mm-hmm. obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Um want to do some five star questions and get to our guest dear Shana Goldman? Uh, you know, Ryan, that sounds pretty great. Sounds good. This is from Gray Red. If Vegas fires DeBoer, do you repeat history and fire Gallant for him? No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he hasn't won a cup. Yep. Uh, Cabana Jet asks, if this team finishes first in the division, is the season a success regardless of playoff results? Okay, this is this is too pronged for me, and I'm going to kind of cop out here. Not Andrew, okay. cop out. Like, cause my hands, my whatever, my hamstring's fine. Um, 
I think this season it was a success no matter what happens, but I've mm. gotten to the point because if you were to ask me at the beginning of the season, what's a success? I would have said second in the Metro was a huge success. This team is great, taking great strides, heading the right direction towards a cup. Great. But now that I've watched this team for the whole year, uh, you have to win the first round. Otherwise, it's a failure in my, my opinion. Yeah, I think if if you are good enough to win home ice, the, two things can be true, which is essentially what you just said. And I'll, I'll, I'll agree with both sentiments. Um, my preseason expectations, the Rangers have overperformed, to which that point, it's a success. However, now if they lose in the first round, I can't sit here and tell you it was a good year. Can't do it. I can't either. I'll be sad. I really will be. Uh, this is from K-Bomb30, Mr. K-Bomb. Hello. Well, actually, can I, put, can I put an amendment on that? You're allowed to, yes. This is your podcast as well. If the Rangers are matched up against the Penguins or the Capitals in the first round, they fail to win, I would be upset. There you go. If the Rangers win the division and have to take on the Lightning, it would be hard for me to come here and be like, I'm upset about this. Yeah, it would be like, well, the Lightning, turns out they won two cups in a row. Turns out they're a really good team. It, we, fought, and we fought them hard. That sucks. <laughs> if you get knocked if you get knocked down in the first round by the two-time defending cup champions i i can't be angry i would have said if you told me the preseason the rangers made the playoffs and had to play the lightning in the first round i would, I would have said yeah that's a loss and i'm sitting here today being like it's less certain of a loss you also would have said about oh, man i'm happy we made the wild card <laughs> yeah for sure for sure <laughs> totally different um, K-Bomb asks, what hypothetical Rangers equivalent of Mad Max joining the Mets? Is it Ovi? I actually have the answer, and uh, it is Malkin. No, I don't think that's you don't correct. Think so? Well, I got, Malkin's not that guy anymore, right? Well, Max it has to be. It has guy, to be a guy sure. still at the top of his powers. It probably. Well, I think. Sid, I then. think it is Ovechkin. You think it's Ovechkin? Uh, no, there's no way. Ah. Uh... He still scores a lot. You're probably right, as Ovechkin. Age, age consideration, talent consideration. Like, don't think the like, Malkin thing is like out of possibility either. Yeah, but he hasn't—he's been hurt a lot. He I hasn't know. been Malkin of old recently. I know, I know. But Scherzer's been Scherzer this entire time. Yeah, he's a fucking psycho. Um, I love him. This is from our dear friend Brian. Not really a question, but more of something to bask in the potential glow of. How special would it be if we get to see the third third line slash kid line return to the Magic? Uh, magic they had like Pitt. With the HBK, a former Zubrov. Okay. Uh, pretty much he's saying how, how great would it be uh, if the kids came out and would just, were just like the magical line that they could be for the playoffs. And the answer is yes, it would be. But I also don't think Gallant, as you pointed out earlier, uh, trusts them whatsoever. I'll be honest. Um, this might be a hot take. I'm ready. I kind of feel better about what happens in this year's playoffs knowing that it won't be Paco Lafreniere's fault if it goes poorly. This is the one season where the Rangers will have the benefit of making the playoffs where those two guys don't have to be the guys. This is the one year. Next year, they're going to have to be the guys. It has to be Because there's just going to be less people here. So these guys will have to step up and will have to be leaders and forces. This is the one year where the Rangers can really ease them into it to a certain extent, which many teams don't get that benefit. You know what it's a lot like? It's a lot like the Warriors are getting a lot out of Jordan Poole right now. They didn't expect it or need it, right? 
It's a benefit that they're getting it, and it's a game changer. If if one of the Rangers' children can pull off a pool, I now think we're cooking. the sky's the limit. Yeah, now we're cooking. If Kako, but if going, Kako all going of a into is like, the... oh look, I'm really, I'm actually really good at hockey. It's like okay, now yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> like... Yeah, but going going into this playoff right now, this playoff success hinges on that first power play unit, the top six, the top four, and Igor Shosturkin. And Kako and Lafreniere are not in there. Keandre's got some pressure on him, but honestly. I'm probably most confident about what Keandre can do in the in the playoffs of any young child. So this is this is the one year where the children they're this this is a good it they're in the shallow end. They're gonna get their feet wet, they're gonna get their nose dirty, they're gonna figure some shit out. Next year, if the Rangers want to be a serious playoff team, Cockle and Lafreniere are gonna have to be driving forces. They're not gonna be able to be passengers. I'm with you. Fran asks, you guys have done the te- the ranking of teams that the Rangers should be scared to face, but where would the Rangers place for the other teams? I don't think Florida is scared of the Panthers. Like I don't think the Leafs. Oh, you don't think Florida is scared of the Panthers? Well, that'd be very oh, hard. That if makes sense. Florida is scared of the Rangers. My apologies. I think really the only two teams that are really scared of the Rangers are, are the two teams that are going to play in the first round, which is Pittsburgh and Washington. Every other team thinks they could probably beat them. I. Fine. I think if you're the Panthers, you're more afraid of the Lightning. If you're the Hurricanes, you're more afla- afraid of the Lightning and the Panthers. And if you're the Lightning, you probably fear nobody. But I'd honestly say the Rangers are probably top three with everyone, and it's simply because of Igor Shosturkin. I don't think any team wants to. I don't think any team, any fan base, wants to go wants up to against play Igor Shosturkin. Seven games of Igor Shosturkin. That's a yeah. nightmare. So, <laughs> so I do think I do think the Rangers are high on everyone's list just because of the Igor presence. That's it. I don't think they're focused on Kreider. I don't think they're focused on Zibanejad. I don't think they're focused on Panarin. I don't think they give a shit about a single skater on the New York Rangers. They see Igor Shosturkin. They see the year he's having. They don't want none of that shit. So I do think the Rangers are top three with everyone and top two for maybe everyone besides the Hurricanes and the Panthers. PJ Smith asks, not a question, but please do a playoff preview with Sarah Sivian. We will if the Carol will invite her at least. If if we face Carolina, that will happen. Sure. Um, this is from Greg's blog. Greg's bar dildo. Nice. On, nice. on paper, this team makes me think we can go all the way. I hate this feeling, but I don't think I should be leaving as much as, believing as much as I do. I would like to know your thoughts on about how far this team can go barring any injuries. The answer is I legitimately think this team can win the cup. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's blasphemy to say it's, it's a cup team. They have everything you'd want from a cup team. And Igor Shosturkin, like we just said, Gives them that ability to go all the way. If you play, you know, I don't want to Doctor Strange it, but play this simulation a million, billion times. Like, the Rangers win this cup a couple times in that situation. Like, it can happen. It's not, this isn't an easy out team. Could they lose in the first round? Absolutely. But they're going to be hell for any, any team to, put, to play. And also, they're going to play a style that no one's going to want to play against. They have a, so much talent that could just, like, take it to the next level. And all of a sudden, if Lafreniere and Kako turn it on, it's like, oh, shit. Like, they have the first and second overall pick on their third and fourth line. What the hell are we supposed to do? So, yeah, I think this team can go all the way for sure. And you should be excited. That's like you waited five years. Get excited and then get your heart broken. It's what sports is about. I, and I think what also helps the Rangers is there's a path where there is a super least resistant path, right? right? They finish second. They get one of the two weaker teams in the first round. You can see chaos happening in the first round in every other series where it's not impossible the Rangers get the Bruins or the Capitals in round two 
If the if the Rangers get the Penguins in round one, you can see a path where they're not getting a top team in round two. And then it's a jungle in round three where, you know, all you have to do is avoid one of the Panthers or the Lightning. And then if the, in the West, all you need is for the Flames to not show up and the Avalanche do their thing where they can't get to the Stanley Cup final. And all of a sudden, the Rangers are playing what? Minnesota Wild in the Stanley Cup final? No disrespect to Minnesota, but I feel pretty good about that. So it, the, Yeah, if you're telling me right now, like, hey, seven-game series, Igor versus uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in the final, I'll be like, yep, okay, so I feel pretty good. <laughs> like, this is yeah. I'll so take my it, shots. There, you can talk yourself into a lot of scenarios happening. I think the big thing is we all feel very confident the Rangers are going to advance at least one round. So that means the Rangers are going to be in the final eight. And then it's, you know, no holds barred. Anything can fucking happen right. as soon as you get past that first hurdle. Ooh, all right. Uh, let's get to our dear friend Shayna Goldman. We'll do that right now. So transition. Hey, we're back with Shayna <laughs> Goldman. Shayna, what is up? The illustrious, the author, the stats wizard. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to write all these down later. So when I'm writing and I'm like, oh, God, I'm terrible at this. I'm like, no, Ryan said this. I said, I'm here for you, Shayna. We invited you on because um, the playoffs are almost here. And none of these hockey games matter at all. How do I care? You tell me. I mean, they, they really don't. Thank I, you. I guess tomorrow does. <laughs> no, tomorrow does. I, I mean, it's, it's who doesn't get hurt. That's the only priority. Who cannot get injured? Do you want the Rangers to get the first overall spot here or no? But uh, we should – do you want them to win the Metro? Because they can't get – they can't I mean. win the, so the, the right. President's Trophy. I don't like when teams try to, like, fix the situation. Like, if they're like, oh, this game doesn't matter. You know, like, I wouldn't want to see a team be like, we don't want to win this game because we're in a better position if we're in the two slot and then we play the three. It, like, really doesn't matter at this point what the Rangers do. It's what everyone around them does because they could still get into first and their opponent could be the same as who it could. You know, it's all about the teams around them right now. Should they actively try to fail? No. This is the Carolina game is a great test for them. So is the Washington game. But the Washington game, absolutely, they should be resting players. So that should be the priority above else, and they should be prepared to go against anyone. Three games left, Shana. How many are you giving to Igor? One. And is it the Canadians game? Um, or would you play, that's a tough one. Would you play him against I Carolina? Give, I, uh, it's Carolina or Washington for sure. I think I could see them going Georgiev against Carolina because he had that really strong game against them. And I – kind of understand that and then you have an easier night against um Montreal but like I also think if they want to put themselves in the best position have fresh legs plus their starting goalie against Carolina as a as a really good measuring stick like one more measuring stick before the playoffs like that's not a bad way to go either you know he gets tested facing a lot of shots and you know I'm sure a ton of quality chances and your team gets put to the test one more time and then you can rest your players on the second half of a back-to-back because you know, against Montreal, you're going to assume the Rangers are the much better team because they are the much better team. But, like, you're going to assume they're going to perform as such. But you might have tired legs and you might want to rest some of your players and then Shesterkin could be hung out to dry a little bit more. So that's kind of my line of thinking. I think Carolina is a better opportunity. So can I give you a counterpoint? I want to see how you react to it. Yes. The reason I would only play Igor against the Canadians is I don't want to give up the mental advantage of having Igor Shosturkin currently holds for the Rangers. You play him against the Hurricanes or the Capitals, and he just has an off night. I worry that 
enables a window of opportunity for those teams to be like, oh, this dude's beatable. This this guy is not the legend, the myth that we have thought he is all year long. We just did it. We can do this again. I don't want to give those teams the opportunity to feel confident. And if I have if if I'm the Rangers and I send Georgiev out there, first of all, Georgiev has a mental hold over the uh, the hurricane, so I'm not overly worried about that. But I'm at least not giving those teams an opportunity to find find an answer to the riddle, to to get another crack at the test before the playoffs. I don't I want like them that. to have that opportunity. And you know what? I, I like that point of view. And the other point of view, too, is if you feel that your team has more gaps in front of your goaltender, which we know the Rangers do, obviously, you know, he's had to save them how many nights. Um, you could look at it, too, and say, we're going to go with Georgiev and you're going to do your best to protect him. And we know that you've been weak in front of, you know, allowing shots from the slot. Here you go, a top opponent. Now's the time to, you know, really sharpen your game and you're going to be doing so without Chesterkin to save you. It's a good test for the team in front of them. If you look at it that way too, which I, you know, I think is fine. I think it's fine either way. You know, it's, it's like, it, it really could go either way. They could look at it and go, you know, it's a good confidence boost for gear give too. If he beats Carolina and then on the flip side, if he doesn't, it's not, but you know, it's a good test for the team that you don't have your starting goaltender in net. Do your best offensively and defensively against one of the top teams in the league and see how you stack up without your goaltender to save you if you screw up. I think that's a really good strategy. I'm with Greg on this. I would only play him against the Canadians. I would, there's no chance I'd play him. Like, I'd bet a large amount of money, uh, which to me is $20, which I bet Greg last week that Taco <laughs> would play this week on Tuesday. Um, so that's why I bet $20. Uh, that he would not play on against Washington. It's just too close to the end of the season. There's no way they'd risk it. There's no chance. So I, I see Georgiev starting both those non-Canadian games, and I don't know. I, I'm I'm waiting for this playoff se- se- season to start because it's just been so long. It's been like a daunting year of like waiting for this to start, and we still haven't somehow figured out the seating, and I just want it to be over and get mentally prepared for what is going to be a hell of a first-round battle. And I... I just need that. I have no, I have nothing else to do at this point. It's like these games are useless to me. I, I want to see Kako play, and like that's about it. And maybe Chris Kreider scores some goals. Maybe our Tampa Panera gets to 100 points. And after that, I don't really care. I don't care at all. It's very, it's very strange for me to say that about a Ranger game because even last year, when they were about to end the season, I was like, well, it's the last game of the season. I still care a lot. There's no uh, Ranger hockey till the end of next year. I'm over it. These next three games to me, I wish it was they were all over and they didn't even have to play them. I think there's like an element of fatigue this year, honestly. Um, Cause I know like I felt like I was hitting a wall like a couple weeks ago because we had two years of a shortened season. And then, you know, two years ago we got that break before the playoffs, which was so daunting for every other reason, but you had a minute to refresh and like reset your mind and then go into the playoffs and get refocused on everything. And then last year, obviously we only had 56 games, 82 games is a super long season. I think it's too long. Arguably. I think it should be around 70 um, and this year it does feel like it's dragging on a bit. Um, but I think I'm glad that not everything's figured out yet. I think that adds a little bit more drama. It makes it more exciting. Otherwise, you know, we'll be watching games like, all right, this should pass. And it's like, it makes sense why some would have that feeling and why you do, especially when you know the team that you'd be watching is in. But for me, like, I do like the drama, like Vegas, Dallas tomorrow. Like I'm interested to see what happens with it or, you know, last night, you know, Minnesota, Nashville was still exciting, but there's definitely, I think, some element of fatigue here because it is a long season, and this year really feels like it after having two shortened years. 
Yeah, it just it doesn't help that the East has been settled. At least we've known the eight teams in the East for three, four, five months. So it it doesn't help from that mindset. I also think not helping is I understand why it's happening. You don't want the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup going on at the exact same time. It's just not really great that the NBA playoffs have started. They've been mostly great, and we're stuck watching for the most part inconsequential hockey. And it, it's it's difficult from that perspective. But you know what? The season started a little late. It's not going to start this late next year. Everything will be back and to the, next year. The potential Olympic break too. That's the other right. little like you know hurdle in this. That's wrong. What's the yeah, word like it, you would say? It's the at the end of the day. My brain. At, uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> me? no, like it's the, it's like the thing in your path that like throws you off your path. The boulder. roadblock hurdle. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's something with the wrinkle. The emu the hurdle or something. Um, yeah. Tortoise. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was a anyway. long way of getting to. Um, are there? I mean, we talked about whether we think the Rangers should go for the top spot in the Metro. Whether we think they should go to two three. Or is there a first-round opponent that we are more – so essentially Penguins and Capitals. Is there, are one of those two opponents – are we overlooking one of them? Should we be more worried than I think a collective fan base we are? Because I think 90% of the fan base pretty confident we're going to win in the first round. Is that confidence right. earned or is it kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing? <laughs> um. I think there's rightfully some confidence about the Penguins, given like how the Rangers have matched up to them all year. You know, as much as anyone can throw at the Rangers, well, look at what you're doing against crappier opponents when they, you know, get a quality of opponent like the Penguins. They've had their number all season. I do think that's important. Um, I don't think you can fully discount them, even though the advantage is that they only have one of their two starting goaltenders at the moment because Tristan Jari is week to week. So as it stands, they have Casey DeSmith and then would go to a third string. Um, you still can't count out, you know, the likes of Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang and Jake Gensel, and you can see them take over games. And that could very well happen in the playoffs. It's There's a lot more pressure on Pittsburgh to do well because this is that, like, last kick at the can when you look at their cap situation when players like Brian Russ could leave and Letang or Malkin or they're going to have to figure out how to make everything work. And, you know, Raquel's clicked with them well. So I do think with Pittsburgh, maybe they get overlooked a bit because of their regular season. Um, and then when you look at the Capitals, their goaltending situations what probably stands out the most. And also, like, below their top players, a lot of their lineup is very unspectacular. You know, like, John Carlson is great, and Nick Backstrom, and Anthony Mantha is really good, and TJ Oshie. But you kind of get into their bottom six a bit, and even their uh, third pair. And you might look at him and be like, hmm, there's a lot on this team that isn't very spectacular. And then their goaltending situation only adds to that because you have Samsonov and you have Vanacek and neither one instills too much confidence. It kind of ebbs and flows throughout the season. Who was a starter? Who was the backup? And they shared the net uh, to their advantage. If one goaltender slips, they do have another who can handle, you know, the majority of the workload. And on the flip side, you don't know if either of them can handle it in the playoffs, uh, given their quality at times. Uh, they've been on a hot streak, and I think that there is a lot of talent there still that shows that they can take over games. We know Alex Ovechkin can. We know that you know Backstrom can. We know Mantha and Oshie are really tough to play against. And um, yeah, so I don't think either one can really be overlooked necessarily. Like it's a seven-game series, if that anything can happen, and teams go on streaks and runs all the time. 
and there's some more experience you could say on the penguins and the capitals because you know they've won it in recent years and things like that and the rangers so much of this core hasn't even been in the playoffs in a couple years but i think the rangers do match up well to both of them i think that they could have a slight advantage and a lot of that is driven by like their power play and Chesterkin, which isn't a bad thing as long as their five on five play can hold up interesting yeah i just when i look at the east in general and i look at the goaltending the up and down Right, like who who are the goaltenders that scare you or should scare you as a Ranger fan? I mean, right now with Carolina, they're they're going to struggle with some injuries. I know that he might come back for the playoffs. They're saying that um, Anderson could come back. Obviously, week to week in Pittsburgh, like who other than Vasilevsky, like who's out there? That's a good in the East specifically. That's the good question. Like in Boston, they do have two very good goaltenders. I feel like some of like the goalie situation got overblown at times. It was like, oh, well, they're struggling when Ras came back and Swayman was sent down. But like Swayman is very good and so is Linus Allmark. So I think that they have two very good options right there that they could rotate through. Um, otherwise, it's it's tricky. It, it really is. Like, could Campbell go on a run? It's totally possible. Have we seen him struggle this year? Absolutely. With Carolina anti Ranta, I think they said it was just cramping. He should be back this week, but his durability is definitely a problem. And Frederick Anderson's played very well, but also, you know, he's going to be one, a little rusty for missing time. And two, there's still going to be some injury concerns lingering and, you know, Florida, as strong as they can be in net, there's flaws there's, you know, as well. And DeSmith has played well right now. And Tristan Jari has played well this season if he's healthy, but you have so many question marks that the two teams that stand out aside from the Rangers are, Tampa and Boston, and honestly, neither one even stacks up to the Rangers the way that Chesterkin's played. Boy, what a good problem to have. It's like, <laughs> it, it's honestly, I know it, it's a running joke that I compare everything back to the Mets, but it honestly is. It's The Mets always have good pitching. I never have to worry about it, and all I have to worry about is them scoring runs, which is usually a problem. And the Rangers, it's just, all they have to do is score goals, which leads me to my next question, Shayna. In the last, I'll, I'll say the last five, six years, all things considered, it, it's a matter of just the goals the Rangers had set for themselves, not necessarily buying, not necessarily selling. Can you recall a trade deadline that has gone better for the New York Rangers? No, no, not in recent years. Um, the trade deadline where they acquired Brendan Smith, I think was pretty much fine. And he had a really good, uh, end of the season and playoff run when he was playing with Brady Shea, but it was like, and the, the asset management was good with that too, because it was the pick that they got in the Mika Zibanejad trade instead of just digging into their pockets and throwing things. But otherwise, no, like this one really is a, a great deadline for them. You look at Andrew Kopp is exactly what they need. You know, he can play on the wing and he's really helped align that the Rangers need to be at their best uh, consistently. And, I love the versatility aspect of it. I think that any good team, you look at like the Florida Panthers and we talk about how they have like one of the best forward groups in the league and they totally do. A huge advantage they have is how many players can play center. It's Barkoff, it's Reinhardt, it's Bennett, it's Giroux, it's Lundell. You can go down their lineup and pinpoint all these players who can easily slot down the middle. So if a line's not working, it's not like they're stuck to that stringent, stringent structure of who can play the left, who can play center, who can play the right. You can mix and match their lines in so many different ways, all four or just the top three, and there's no shortage of depth. The Rangers don't stack up to that yet. Like, don't get me wrong, they're not even close um, because at the bottom of their lineup, it, it still doesn't match up. But by having a player like Cop who can play center or wing, that's super valuable. You know, you have that option if a player gets hurt or if you feel that that third line 
needs, you know, a player of Strom or Cops caliber, you have it. You know, it's not just your only options are Heedle or Goudreau or dipping into the fourth line to figure out something to click. Um, that's huge for them right there. It's really, really unfortunate that uh, Tyler Mott got injured because he was such a good addition. I think he was exactly what that fourth line needed. And there was this utility value to his game too and his power killing. So if he returns, and that's a big if, that would be a huge advantage. And Frank Vetrano too, he's someone who is streaky. He's not great defensively, but he's been working out offensively that, you know, any gaps in his game haven't shown through too badly yet. And I think that they have the option if his play slips and they feel that he can't play on the first line, he would slot just fine on the third line. And then a player like Kako, depending on his health, or Lafreniere, who we know works on that top line, could switch right there. So they have that versatility that they didn't at all in the first half of the year when you would look at players like Hunt playing in the top six or Goudreau, and it just didn't fit. The Mott thing is just a shame. It's I, There's no update on him whatsoever. You know, We didn't know that Kako or Rooney would play for weeks, and all of a sudden they were just skating on their own and they were back. I don't think we'll see Mott for the playoffs. I think something quite nasty happened. I don't have any insider information on that whatsoever. It just looked that way going off the ice, and maybe it'll be late in the in the playoff run, if anything. So it's uh, not having him is going to hurt. I think it hurts more than a lot of Ranger fans ex- expect, but you really think the Rangers aren't close? Like, they're not close to some of these other teams in, in forward depth? Like, they're going to play Lafreniere on the fourth line. Like, that's pretty good. Like, that's a good problem to have, right? It's good. I just don't think they're as stacked with this, like, sustainable elite talent. Like, I think Florida is so head and shoulders above the rest. I think Florida's up there. I think that Colorado's up there and obviously Tampa. And Toronto has really good depth, too. I think the Rangers can stack up on, like, the lower end to it. And they're not the worst of the playoff teams by any stretch in their forward depth anymore. But, like, you do need their lineup to be completely healthy. And you need some of the players who maybe are bigger question marks of how they'll perform, like, how Kaka will be when he's back from his injury and how the bottom six is going to work out. If there's enough skill in it, you know, things like that. Uh, I don't think, I don't look at them though and go, Oh, it's a huge disadvantage. Like before the deadline, it was like, that's a serious problem. And now it's like, okay, like there's something there now. Like there's, there's a good makings of things that they didn't have before with their offensive strength. Uh, it could still be better obviously, but yeah, it's behind the Panthers, but it's not, it definitely isn't bad. And if, if everyone can keep playing at the level that they have post deadline, and I know it's super easy to look at it and go, well, look at who they were playing against. You can only play the team that's in front of you. And they've been playing the teams in front of them pretty well. So I think that there's, you know, a good foundation that they're building since the deadline that's encouraging moving forward. Remove Igor Shesterkin from this conversation for a second. Is there a player whose play has elevated so much recently that it's increased the Rangers' odds of a deep run uh, more than Keandre Miller? Um, I would say Miller and Panarin. Uh, Panarin, so Panarin's a little bit funky because earlier in the season, like it did look like at times, like maybe he's not 100% or maybe his game isn't clicking and he wasn't, he was still scoring, obviously. He's piling up points and that's no problem. But like there definitely were some concerns, I think at times, especially at five on five with this game that it was like, should there be any concern there? And he's really turned it around since a little before the deadline, a couple games before that. And now he's playing at that absolutely elite level where you can see it's not just he can jump out for three minutes in the game, absolutely flip it on its head, and the Rangers are in the lead. It's like he is every shift so noticeable and playing at the level that you expect of him. Otherwise, though, absolutely for Kandre Miller. Um, he, he came into the year, I think, 
with a couple gaps in his game that really weren't concerning. This is someone who went into a top four role off the bat on a team that obviously was very, very, very flawed. Um, like he struggled on entries against, you know, allowing a scoring chance. And he had the foot speed to get back all the time. But when he was in close, you could see that he didn't have that quickness to quickly maneuver and, you know, stop that quality chance. So that was one area that he struggled with. But he can do things like, you know, you could see his stride working to his favor, super long reach or um, how he can break the puck out of the zone. This year, there's a lot more confidence in his game. That's for sure. And I'm sure there's like, a, you know, a comfort too of sticking with Truba, who he's very comfortable with. You know, they have that chemistry. They know each other's games inside and out too. So I'm sure that doesn't help. But you could see him now using his size. And when he's, when he's making hits, he's separating players from the puck. And he can use his stick to separate players from the puck. And I think, you know, the fact that he can do one or the other is super advantageous to him. Um, and you can see that confidence when he's jumping into the offense a lot more. And he is playing really well defensively. So he has he's putting together all the raw skills that we knew he had. And now he's putting them together much more consistently. It's not glimpses here or there. It's all the time that he's having these standout games. What is, since we're not going to talk to you before the playoffs happen here, Shana, what's like the number one concern you have about the New York Rangers going into the playoffs? Um, I mean, it could be like if their offense runs short, which we've seen happen before. I think maybe there's still a couple gaps. Like they could still be driving to the slot a little bit more consistently and creating more offense. You know, before the deadline, they were a bottom five team at five on five in some of their offensive generation off the rush and how they defended the rush. They were finishing chances. That's the thing. They were rating highly in goals off the rush, but they weren't doing as well below the surface. That makes you see that like sustainability that you should want from a contender. Uh, they still have to defend better. They still have to, you know, clear the slot area a lot more. And they know Shesterkin can, you know, handle those chances, but they need to play in a way that they don't need him to be perfect every single night. And I think that there's been a little bit of an improvement. You know, he had that slip in his game in March. And then the team has stepped up too. So it's not like he's had to steal every single game that he's in net for. Uh, it's like, a, it's a much better collective effort. But I think that's kind of it. Like they need to be exploiting teams the way that they've been getting exploited throughout the season. And they need to be driving to the slot more consistently. And yes, it's great that they can finish when they get there, but they just need to keep possessing the puck and pushing play up the ice, you know, and there's little things that they've been cleaning up all year. So it looks like they're in a better place than they were months ago. But it would just help if they did that a lot more consistently. Like you want to see it that they're the team that's possessing the puck more often in the game and they have more sustained offensive pressure. And these are things that we've been talking about for a while, but it seems like they're starting to get there. But obviously, if that slips at all and a lot of teams tend to like tighten up during the playoffs and maybe they don't take as many risks, obviously, or, you know, they'll try to play that heavier style, whatever the Rangers can play that. But they need to make sure that that's not the only way that they're playing. Like if they're hitting, it's not just to rack up hits at the end of the game. It's to be hitting effectively, to be getting possession of the puck. And then they can go on the rush and do something and, you know, start cycling the puck in the offensive zone. It's playing to the strengths that they have instead of stepping down and playing a way that maybe they feel that they should because it's the playoffs, if that makes sense. What are your realistic expectations for the Rangers? Not not playing to what mine might be, what Ryan's might be, what the fan bases might be. What are Shayna Goldman's realistic expectations for the 2022 playoffs for the New York Rangers? Okay. If we don't look at their actual performance this season, if we go back to last year, the idea, obviously when we, when last season ended was next season, they should hopefully make the playoffs as a wildcard team. They did more than that. I think that's great. They're in the playoffs. 
that's a huge step forward. Given the prime of some of their players, ideally, they do a little bit more than that. You know, they've invested in this run. So now you want to see them make, you know, they want to make the most of it. Uh, I expect them to get through through the first round. Absolutely. No matter who the opponent is, I expect them to. I think that given the caliber of their play, what they've invested this year and how they've improved, you know, that would be the one thing that would probably be a bit, no matter what, if they lose, if they don't win at all, it's disappointing to them. So I can't like, you know, we have to look at it differently than how the team views it. Any player, any coach is going to be super, super disappointed if they don't win. I think in some ways that will be extra disappointing if they can't even get through the first round, even though their goals a year ago were different than they are now. Um, after that, it's it's kind of a toss-up because the East is so strong. They could get th- through this round. They could end up facing Boston or Carolina, who have been you know two really strong teams. After that, it could be the likes of Florida or Tampa or Toronto. Like, do I expect the Rangers to stack up to Tampa if Tampa makes it to the Eastern Conference Final? I'm not so sure. I wouldn't count them out. You never know what can happen in the playoffs, especially if you have a hot goalie, which they have an elite goalie. But I think I expect them to get past the first round. After that, it's kind of a toss-up. But that's, I think, a really big step for them, given what they've put into this year. Would you say – sorry, Ryan. Would you say a Rangers death run would be Hurricanes round two – Tampa round three flames Stanley cup final. Is that the death run? Hmm. Um, have Stanley cup final. Well, the Rangers played so poorly against the flames this year. I know, they but did. I still think it's the avalanche, <laughs> but that was such a different point in the season. Think about it. Like the, the roster that they were putting out there and the weaknesses they had up front, you know, and I think Georgiev got one of the games against the flames too, which was a little bit suspect. Um, I think that, you know what? I see that there are ways against, Boston and Carolina that they that make them both beatable. I do wonder if Boston would be a little bit tougher for them if they got to round two. You know, like you look at how they matched up last game, and that's only one game, but like Boston has some really, really, really good players, and they have like some iffy depth players too. But I just feel like if they get to round two, I wonder if Boston is the tougher out for them, especially when you think about goaltending, because the Rangers right there. We're talking about finishing ability, you know, like what they have. And if you run into a hot goalie and they have two Carolina, the, the, the challenge for them is going to be the power play against that penalty kill. But um, yeah, I think Tampa is the toughest one. If they got to the Eastern conference final, Tampa is so good. And I know that they had that stretch where they kind of struggled, but you can't count them out. And then I agree. I think it's Colorado over Calgary. I mean, if Colorado makes it to the final lookout, if they can get that far, um, I think that they're the they're the strongest team still for me. I mean, listen to this Eastern Conference the projected playoffs right now, and again, everything could change in, th- in just this week somehow. But Florida Washington is an insane series. Carolina Boston that is a bloodbath. Rangers Penguins is a bloodbath, and then Toronto Tampa Bay is like a crime. <laughs> like that sucks. What are those teams is gonna lose? And it's probably gonna be the Maple Leafs, and it's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna have a great time. It's gonna. It sucks for them that that's who their first round opponent could be because, like, I think for them the more beatable team is Florida. Even though I don't think Florida is that beatable at all. Um, to to the Leafs at least. Uh, to the Lightning, I think it's a different story. Uh, but any any like to go against those teams, that's gonna be so tough. Like Carolina has done a lot all season to hold their place in the Metro and keep themselves so high up. And I know the Rangers are challenging for that now, but you look at it like 
they're still one of the best in the East and they have been consistently all year. That's super impressive. The Lightning, you look at their deadline acquisitions and how they complement the elite core that they already have. They have one of the best goalies. They have one of the best defensemen. They have one of the best goal scorers. They have one of the best centers in the league. Then they have an elite winger who can pass better than I think people give him credit for in Kucherov. And he has a great shot. Like, there's so much there. Like, that's really tough. And obviously, that's us looking at, like, worst case scenarios, which obviously, like, is what we're supposed to do, right? Like, we're not supposed to be like, oh, well, if this team upsets and this team upsets like it happened last year, like, we're expecting, like, the top teams to make it through every single round. It could get interesting if it's other teams, like if it's Washington, they went up against in round uh, round three because somehow they made it through the, you know, through the east. If they go through Florida, like that would really be something, too. And I think the Rangers would have a better chance matchup wise against Washington versus everyone else. But like, who the hell knows? It's gonna be give me give me Shayna Goldman's best bets to come out of each conference that not necessarily the team you feel will come out, but the team you think gets you the most juice. To come out of each conference. I'm pretty sure I know where you're going in the West, but I'm curious where you go in the East. Okay. Um, let me pull up the standings too to make sure I get everything right. In the West, I would not count out Colorado at all. Um, I really like that central division. I think Minnesota's a really good team, and I like St. Louis too. I do not like their defense. And it's it's pretty funny because Billy Huso has been the better goalie all year that you're pretty much like slam dunk like, oh, he's going to be starting. And then Bennington had two games and I'm sitting there. I told it. I told my boyfriend, too, because I have Huso in fantasy. So I've been like watching very closely with their goaltending situation. I'm like, watch Bennington had a good game. They're going to see if he can play back to back. They're going to see if he can go on a run because they won with him. Like this is what's going to happen. It's totally going to burn them. And I'm hoping that Arizona loss was like the very clear like. No, I mean, the Arizona win that he almost lost for them is a very clear, like, no, we have our starter and it's Huso. Um, but I'm going to say Colorado there. In the Pacific, I'm going to say Calgary. I know that's boring to go first and first, but, like, Edmonton, I could see Mike Smith getting cocky and blowing it for them. L.A., you're, they're without Dowdy. And Nashville, Dallas, like, there's there's a lot of flaws on both of those teams. So Colorado, Calgary in the West, and then in the East, I still say it's Tampa. Like that's, that's it for me in the Atlantic. It's definitely Tampa. I will say I'm a little, I was expecting you to be harder in on the wild than you were. I really like the wild. Like I, I really do, but some of their special teams needs a little bit of work. And I feel like, I think the wild are going to get past the blues. I have more confidence in the wild than the blues right now, but to go against Colorado, I'm really not sure if they can. And they do have a couple injuries too. Like they don't know if, if Dumbo will be ready to start the playoffs, I think they know Greenway will be. They have two really good goaltenders. But I just think Colorado is going to be able to go through them. Like, But I think it's going to be a really tough matchup. Like, I'm excited. I really do hope that's a good matchup. Awesome. Well, Shane, I And now imagine oh, they're both out in round one. I know. That's like the whole <laughs> – isn't that the whole playoffs? Like, every team can lose in the East at least. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Awesome. Um, any other thoughts you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? So – let I want to get your take on the heart conversation. Woo, we we talked a little bit about this before you came on, and uh, I kind of feel like Ewer slipped to third on accident. Like I still think he could win, but the narrative's just not on his side. Like, is he a heart? Is he the heart candidate? Prob. Like I think he could be. You can make the case, but I just think Matthews has it locked up, and I think the voters like decided that two weeks ago. I, <laughs> I don't think you're I, wrong. 
I while I agree that it Matthews has won the award and it's boring and it it deflates every conversation about the topic. I am in the camp of it seems as though we are we the collective we are so enamored and excited by how much scoring has been up across the NHL and how this has been a record-breaking year in a lot of regards. To me, if the narrative is every team has gotten worse defensively and every team is giving up more goals, that to me is the entire argument for why Igor Shosturkin is your heart winner. Because what he's doing in that context is even more remarkable. He's not just having a great season on normal terms. He's having a great season. This is like Pedro in the late 90s and early 2000s when the steroids era was going nuts. And he was still getting ERAs below two, striking out 10 guys an inning, not walking anybody. Unhittable. When you're doing this in an environment where everybody scores, Barkley Goodrow's got like 20 goals this year. (laughs) Everybody is scoring. And Igor Shosturkin is like, that's cool. You're not scoring on me. To me, that's the entire heart conversation right there. I don't need to go any further. I like that. Especially like, you know, if you look at, if we look at the data era, you know, 2007, 2008, he's sixth in goals saved above expected. And he's played fewer games than the goalies ahead of him, which are Henrik Lundqvist three times, Carey Price when he won the Vesna 14-15, uh, and Sergei Bobrovsky when he won in 16-17. I would have him. Seems like a good player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right it's it's incredible if you look through the numbers too like how many times he was like the number one goalie I'm working on something about the Vesna right now and I wanted to see sorry Zeke's barking um if if uh the the goalie that won was the number one goalie in save percentage or goal saved above expected I was going through like year by year and so many years like nope that's Henrik nope it's Henrik um so okay let me ask two questions then who would be your number three aside from Shesterkin and Matthews one and two? Because I think it's fair to say, like, we all know that's Probably like the Haberdeau. one and two of it. Who who do you go with? Haberdo. Huberdo? Huberdo. I don't oh. know. I, yeah, I don't know. Is there a Haberdo oh. that I don't know about? I, my my stupid brain. You know how this works. I do this every week. It's not new to um, me. <laughs> I, I do think I, I understand there is a defensive aspect of this game, and I don't want anyone yelling at me, Shana, that <laughs> you may be really good friends with. But I. As much as I'd like to think I'm all about the numbers, I'm also a narrative guy. And I think we have to acknowledge everything that's going on in Florida this year. And I think the personification of what's going on in Florida is Jonathan Huberdeau, and he would get my vote as well. I would put Barkov over him as the MVP of that team by like a lot. And it's like the defense. And it's also like how much of his scoring comes on the power play and our secondary assists. Like I went through a crap ton of passing data last week because I feel like that best passer story and I went I pulled the top 20 in every category you know assists primary secondary uh assist rates shot assists uh passes to the slot offensive zone passes pass entries to see the top 20 see like whose name kept popping up and his did in the all situation columns but for five on five it was not nearly as good that I was like damn like that's a little worse than I thought and like I don't want to be taking away anything from his season because it's amazing but um you know he would slide down a little bit for me I would probably go McDavid or Goudreau personally but i think goodrow goodrow probably isn't getting talked about enough and i think part of that is because he's playing in calgary which even in the nhl i don't think people pay enough attention to what happens in calgary in comparison to other canadian cities um mcdavid it yes he should be in the top three every year it's just it's really hard for me i don't i don't i think i'm i'm just bored 
I think at this That's point. That's fine. It's the LeBron thing. Like, it's like, Le- should LeBron And Crosby. Been, yeah, should, should they have been MVPs every year for like six years in a row? Yeah, probably. But they weren't. So that's just, that's just <laughs> the will, way the narrative went. I will say it is a little surprising that McDavid isn't talked about more this year just because mm-hmm. the Oilers have turned it around. You, yeah. You'd think because the Oilers have turned it around, we'd be talking McDavid all the time, every time. And I yeah, do he feel was like good we when they were bad. About, yeah, and I, I do <laughs> feel like, like we don't – I feel like we don't talk about McDavid much at all this year, which this – Feels like the year we probably should. I stopped talking about him yeah. after he, what he did to the Rangers, just out of spite. There's no, there was no, <laughs> there was no need. What else do you want me to say? He dismantled me on a on a Friday night, I believe. It was unbelievable. Yeah, a pictures worth a thousand world words, a video even more. So hold on, what you said before about the narrative shifting away from Shesterkin for the heart. What about the Vesna? Like, what are your thoughts there? Because like here I am, like knee deep in it. Like, do you think the the narrative has turned from him at all because of one his games played to that? slip in March even though he's rebounded no uh no because what goalie has come on like gangbusters I mean there's definitely going to be the arguments for UC Soros and there should be you know he's very good and Jacob Markstrom for everything that he's done in Calgary and how much he's played as well like Soros and Frederick Anderson's been very good and I think uh, uh I, you know it's I would for say others. Markstrom's the only one that has even a modicum of a chance but I do think the entire Shesterkin conversation was still he's playing great he's just not playing like Shesterkin right it's almost like right. when it, I would compare it to when DeGrom gives up two runs instead of his usual zero <laughs> that is kind of what we got with a, a little bit there with Shesterkin I just especially the way the Rangers have played post deadline I don't see any any chance that he's not the Vesna. I think that's fair I'm with you. I was just curious yeah, I think there's. I, I think he's a lock, like super lock to win the Vesna, and I think he falls in the number three or number four spot for for the heart. For a, lot of, a lot of people going to be happy to cash those. He was at one point early in the year when he was already doing amazing things. He was still twenty to one. That's and so a lot of people. A lot of people going to be cashing some big big dollar tickets at the end of the year. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, I, it's seriously. Cause you look at it, you're like, Ilya Sorokin should be in the mix. Darcy Kemper's been great. Vasilevsky's been great, but like the level, the difference between like, as I'm writing this, I, so I originally had a Vezina story and then I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Like the race isn't close. And then when Shesterkin's play slipped, I'm like, maybe I should still like, maybe. Cause I like doing the awards pieces. And then as I'm writing it, I'm like, <laughs> like, okay. Maybe it's like more clear cut than I realized as I go through every single number, every single way to do it, traditional nuts, analytical, Sam. you name like, it. He's nuts. He's, I can't believe he's real. That's it's very strange. Yeah. Like this guy, he's ours. That's so weird. Um, After Lundquist, crazy. Everybody, anybody retweet that? Shayna, um, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, you for having me. Before we get out of here, um, I have a bunch of things coming up this week. Fun. I'm writing a bunch. I might combust. I have the Vesna thing coming tomorrow. Um, I have other things. Oh, I'm like. <laughs> co-writing stuff on like johnny gaudreau and cam mccarr this week and then playoff previews and things like that so i'm sure i will be chipping in more ranger things than i have been during the season um throughout the playoffs so i'm excited because i get to i get to do a little bit of everything now when are we getting shana goldman tennis analyst i have stayed away from even trying to dip my toe into anything tennis related because that is mine. That is my comfort. That is my, I am done with (laughs) hockey. My brain is fried. Like 
when when before I ever started writing about hockey, like at the end of the day, I would put on like hockey highlights and go to sleep to that. And then the last couple of years, now that I have tennis channel on HD, there's no shot that's happening. It's tennis channel at night to wind down, catch up on everything. I like to get up in the morning, drink my coffee, watch tennis in the background all day, watch hockey all night, and then end off with tennis again. I don't want to write about it. It's too it's too enjoyable. I'll just get your future tickets in on Sabalenka to win the Wimbledon right now. Just saying. You thank me later when you're cashing millions upon millions of dollars. All I want. So who do you have for French Open, though, because you're skipping? I, I i'm not doing I, we had this conversation earlier i don't take i know but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bet on someone like i, I mean i placed a bet on sweet already <laughs> i i i hate i mean i don't take the play seriously yeah i i know shane and i were talking ryan you know they don't every every other um court cycle hard court grass court they use video review for replays with clay they require the umpire to get out of the chair and look at ball marks on the court yeah, they get the down the and they point. I mean, Clay, don't lie. What do you want? It's the it stupidest could. one. They use the heavier balls. It's slower. It's messy. I hate everything about it. There are players that hate it. That's why guys like Medvedev, they're like, I don't want to be rolling around dirt like a dog. Like, he hated it. He, last year, went to an, a chair ump and was like, just default me. I don't want to be here anymore. Just default me. I want to be done with this match. Unbelievable. Shannon, thank you so much. We'll talk to you very soon. Uh, good luck with all your articles and uh, all the best to you and your your two puppers. There you go. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks right. for having me. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys soon. We love you guys. Bye. And as always, I want to take this time at the end of the podcast to thank our special insiders club, the NHL Offer Sheet Club, the playoff. They're, they're, I think they're getting a suite. These people are crazy. Anyway, Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Curtulo, Adam Keach. Alex Carter, Amber Coesberger, Barbie Chris, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Bro- uh, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stillwagon, Connor D, uh, Connor P. Demich, Demich, oh man, new one, Daniel Dezen, David Naredin, Dan- Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stagg, Gary Gretz- uh, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner a Cup, Handle, Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip, 89, Ian Rodriguez, Jake B., Jerrion Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Jordan, J- Josh Kestenbaum, Justin Friedman, Justin Starr, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Laser Krakowski, Luigi Ardana, Lucas K, Matthew Quine, Ma- Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kovarev, Randy Tesser, and going up the rear here, Scottish Grant. Welcome, Scottish Grant. Stephen Lomayer, Steve Bullbox, Swingard the Drop BK, Tommy, Thomas Welsh, Tom Sequari, Tom Ernst Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Upstate, Vinny, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Will Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Cannot thank you enough. Please, New York Rangers, stay healthy this week. It's all I ask. I have no other narratives. There's nothing else. I don't. We talked about it all. Just do not get injured. It's all I want. Go into the playoffs healthy. Get everything ready. And hopefully you'll see some of us at a bar in New York City for Game 3. It'll be a great time. And if not, I think we're going to try and do a Twitch stream for Game 1 or at least after or during game one or something like that, we're going to do something. But stay tuned. It'll be fun. And, of course, appreciate your, your support throughout this whole year. Couldn't be here without you. Love you all. I'll see you soon. BSBOT on Wednesday afternoon. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? 
It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.